0: Today I'm going to reveal to you one of the most painful and insidious patterns that a human being can possibly fall into. It is a pattern that can lie at the root of a person's suffering in their life. And this pattern is the pattern of using suffering as a substitute boundary. Before you get afraid that this is going to be just one more video where an expert tells you that you're somehow attached to your pain or causing your own pain or that you have the power to be happy no matter what's happening to you or in your life, I need you to know that this video is not going to be one of those videos. And I ask you to come along with me as I unpack this pattern for you step by step. Unfortunately, some of us came into families where our caregivers such as parents are only truly focused on their own best interests and thus are not in an actual relationship with us. When I say this, I need you to be very careful not to fall into the gaslight of parents who seem to be focused on the best interest of their children, but are in fact, not actually. Some of these caregivers are very covert in that it seems like they are so dedicated to their children. After all, their identity is wrapped up in how for their children's best interest they are and just how self-sacrificing for their children they are. But somehow their child or even all their children are not happy at all. Especially in their relationship with that parent, Keep in mind that those two things don't light up. To understand more about this, you can watch my video titled Self-sacrifice, the most self-centered thing in the world. Caregivers like this fail to perceive their child. This is because they're relating to their child through their own projections. They make up their mind about what is going on with their child regardless of whether it is true or not. They make their child the problem to avoid looking at their own dysfunction. They play zero-sum games rather than find win-win scenarios. And they have no intention of changing something that doesn't suit them to change, no matter how much it's hurting their child. Their child's happiness is not truly a part of their own happiness, no matter what they might say, because they cannot truly perceive their pain or their pleasure. They can only perceive their own. Because of this, it will seem like they have a very high tolerance for their child's pain. After all, they watched their child indicate their distress, but changed nothing about what is causing that distress if it somehow went against their own perceived best interests in the moment. And yet, they still expected their child to be happy. Maybe they even took to gaslighting by saying things like, you have no reason to be unhappy, look at everything you have, or you have so many things to be happy about, or all I want is for you to be happy. So here we have a caregiver that is either doing things that are causing distress to their child, or are failing to do things, which is causing distress to their child. But instead of respond to that feedback, they tell themselves alternative, self-esteem affirming stories about why their child is in distress. And they expect their child to be happy anyway. In fact, they require this from their child, in order to not perceive their child as the enemy to their own happiness. This is very dangerous. This is a very dangerous situation for a child to find themselves in and now the child is in a bind. Act happy in their parent who is the god of their world is safer to them. But by doing so, betray themselves. Or continue to indicate the reality which is their unhappiness and by doing so, don't betray themselves, but accept the dire consequences. In all of this, what is important to see is that in a situation like this, when the child asserts boundaries for themselves against what is harmful for them and for the limits they have, those boundaries are instantly dishonored. If they're even seen and acknowledged in the first place. There is no way out of distress. They're expected to put up with whatever is harming them and worse than that, to be happy anyway and despite any of it. For many people who encountered this type of childhood, boundaries and limits were pointless because you couldn't run away and you couldn't get anyone to recognize or honor your boundaries and limits, so as to change things, so you weren't suffering anymore. So, you were literally trapped in a torture chamber. Keep in mind that a torture chamber can be very, very gilded. Because of this, you let go of your boundaries and got a substitute one. You found a way to stand by yourself and for yourself in a very different way. The way was to refuse to be happy to maintain a resistance to feeling good, even if you so badly wanted to. Why? Because if the people who hurt you expected you to be happy no matter what they were doing to you or failing to do, then you being happy no matter what they were doing to you or failing to do is exactly what they want. It means they got away with everything they did with no consequences. For those of you who experienced this, you began to associate happiness with self-betrayal. And so, your substitute boundary became suffering. And it's not like you had to invent your suffering, you were and are genuinely suffering. On the one hand, you're desperate to be happy, and on the other hand, becoming happy, especially saying that you're happy, feels like kissing the foot that kicked you. For you, the old saying, happiness is the best form of revenge, is actually total bullshit. Because for the abusers you were dealing with, you being happy, no matter what they did or failed to do, is exactly what they wanted. That would in fact be their win. To use a common expression, that would be them getting away scot-free. When we fall into this pattern, we tend to hate life. We try to improve our life desperately while being unable to. Why are we unable to? Because we lack all the boundaries that a person would normally have in life, especially regarding other people. And so, we end up in a position that is a total no for us. When we should put the pressure back on someone, we take it. When we need to hold someone to their agreements, we let them change them. When we need to say no to something, we say yes. Where we have a limit, we push ourselves past it. When we should leave, we don't leave. We fall right back into the pattern of extreme pain tolerance. We yell about our unhappiness and get angry and cry without giving people any actual consequences beyond that for the things they are doing or are failing to do. In fact, our only boundary is, I will suffer when you do this. I will refuse to be happy when you do this. You still allow it, still allow it to happen, but you absolutely will not be happy about it. Of course, the substitute boundary is very ineffective with the people who are not connected to and are therefore not moved by your pain, only their own pain. And your suffering might just be worth whatever they're getting out of what they're doing or not doing. And guess what? They're not going to be moved by your pain. The reason for this is that without knowing it, with this substitute boundary, you are walking around as literal tractor beam for people who just like your parents are only truly focused on their own best interests and thus are not in an actual relationship with you. People who at a conscious or subconscious level want to be in a relationship with someone who will be unconditional with them. A person who they can do whatever they want to or fail to do whatever they want to you and know that there will be no consequences. This is what you're a match to. After all, the message you're sending out to the universe is I will stay in pain, I just won't be happy about it. You're a literal tractor beam for people who only have a relationship through a narcissistic, and or codependent, which is covertly narcissistic, relational schema. You will line up with people whose definition of love is for you to suffer for them. To learn more about this, you can watch my video titled The Suffer So I Can Feel Loved Relationship Dynamic. So if you look at this analogy of this kind of sliding scale of an unhappy life to a happy life, where all these things are like a no for you and all these things are like a yes for you, right? If all you're doing is not really going in the direction of your happiness and not really asserting boundaries for what's a no for you, then you're going to just slide so your whole life is lived on this side of the scale. Again, people who live a happy life go in the direction of what is wanted. And when somebody tries to do something that pushes them down this side of the scale, they go no and take an action to assert that boundary. Boundaries are the key to a happy life. So that you can understand this pattern better, I'm going to give you an example. Thea had a mother who caused her distress in many, many ways. Her mother refused to consistently respond to her distress cues even as an infant. She treated Thea like a doll. In that, instead of responding to Thea's cues, she decided what Thea did and did not need and when, according to her own want to meet those needs or not. She was obsessed with Thea learning to play alone and developing independence far too early. Whenever Thea got into a needs conflict with her mother, her mother would shame her by saying, what are you a princess? She kept Thea in a house which was up a canyon. Nowhere near other children because that was the lifestyle she preferred regardless of what was best for her children. This made it so that Thea had no friends. She only did things for Thea that she decided would make Thea happy. Not what would actually make Thea happy. So when they didn't make her happy, she decided something was wrong with Thea. Thea's indication that she was an unhappy child damaged her mother's self-concept. So, she saw Thea as the source of her own suffering. Thea came to the conclusion as a toddler that no matter what she did, she could never make her life feel good, so she would suffer forever. But her mother felt distressed by Thea's unhappiness and so she needed Thea to be happy so she could feel good. So instead of changing any of her own behavior that was causing Thea to suffer, And instead of changing any of the conditions that were making Thea suffer, she simply expected Thea to be happy. Decided she should be. She decided that her daughter had a good life. Despite the reflection that Thea was giving to her. And she reminded Thea of how many kids around the world have so much more to be unhappy about. And kept stuffing the idea that she was an ungrateful child down her throat. When Thea would complain, she would call her negative. When Thea was upset, She would shame her for not focusing on the beautiful sunset or on some other thing that her mother appreciated. When things took a turn for the worst, Thea's mother started dragging her to therapists to fix whatever was wrong with her child because it could not possibly be that her behavior with Thea or the life that she had created for Thea was wrong for her. Subconsciously, Thea developed a negative association with happiness. It was clear that her mother wanted to be able to do or fail to do anything and that Thea was expected to be happy about it anyway. Well, Thea could not be happy anyway and Thea would not indicate to her mother that she could be. She decided that to be happy was to betray herself. Instead of betraying herself because every boundary and limit was dishonored by her mother, she stood by herself by pledging that she would not ever indicate to her mother or to other people that she was happy. And this caused her to never truly be able to go in the direction of her happiness. Fast forward several years into Thea's adulthood, she has been married and divorced multiple times. In each one of her primary relationships, things start out pretty good, but then the man starts crossing her boundaries and pushing her limits. All Thea does is get upset, and then get angry and then get really, really angry. She does not enforce her boundaries. Because of this, the man ends up continuing to do what is not in her best interests until Thea is far past a limit. She's at the point where her mental and emotional health starts to dissolve and the relationship becomes fully abusive. Why do I say this is an abusive relationship? Because the man is being abusive because no matter how much something hurts Thea and how much she indicates it, he will not change it and expects her to be happy anyway. And Thea is being abusive because during arguments, she screams and belittles and name calls and makes threats and throws things at her partner. Eventually, the abuse becomes so intolerable that the relationship ends. Looking at her last partner, he came into her life promising to really be there for her as somebody that she could rely on. But he started breaking his word. The first time he broke his word, Thea should have set a very firm boundary about it by telling him that this was not something she would tolerate. She actually did this. The second time he did this, Thea should have enforced her boundary with something like making him responsible for repairing the consequences that breaking his word created. Or, creating a consequence that relates directly to what he specifically broke his word about. Let me give you an example. Say that he broke his word about taking her on a date and she needed quality time. She might go to spend time with a friend instead of spending time with him, and let him know that she was doing so because he failed to keep his word about the quality time that he promised her and that she needs. And after his trust breach, he would need to demonstrate his intent on rebuilding that trust somehow. This is a reasonable expectation in a relationship, such as putting extra effort into creating quality time or making it up to her somehow and proving he can show the opposite behavior. Now, if he broke his word again, Thea should have escalated the consequences. She should have pushed the pause button on their relationship. No moving forward in the relationship. She should have escalated to something like relationship therapy, or started looking for other resources for the things he broke his word about. And or getting trusted people who support their relationship to intervene, etc. So there should have been an escalation path. Thea did not do this. Instead, she just got madder and madder each time and argued about how not okay it is. So the escalation was about how angry she got, not any action she took to assert her boundaries. She eventually found herself in an abusive relationship. She was in a relationship where she could not trust her partner because he constantly broke his word. And where she verbally abuses him when he does it. Thea's last partner got something out of breaking his word what it was, was the feeling of no pressure. He was a parentified child and even though he came into the relationship saying that he would be reliable because let's face it, this is the only way he knows how to have relationships, was to be totally reliable for his partner in the same way that he was for his mother, but it's not what he actually wanted. What he wanted was to be in a relationship that would allow him all the freedom of the childhood that he missed. And that lack of pressure meant more to him than Thea's happiness did. It served him when he would break his word and feel the freedom of doing whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, it would especially serve him when he would drop responsibilities that he had signed up for and she would take over that responsibility and pick it up. In fact, it was healing for him, even if it was destroying Thea. Thea fell right back into this pattern from her childhood, where the person in her life expects her to be happy no matter what they do or fail to do and she resorted to her old substitute boundary. She was not happy. No one could be in that situation. But she also decided she would not go in the direction of her happiness. Because to do so would be to betray herself and give him exactly what he wanted. She didn't even see enforcing her boundaries and limits in a tangible way as an option. If you recognize this pattern in yourself, it's tempting to think that you just have to accept that to be happy You have to care more about your happiness than you do about the people who hurt you getting off scot-free. But this is just you falling back into the same pattern. It's not about that. Overcoming this pattern is about seeing that you will never have a happy life. Your life will always be suffering and you will always hate life if you fail to acknowledge your own boundaries and limits and fail to assert them. You need to assert them when things are very, very small. Far, far before you ever hit a limit. When you feel yourself heading in that unwanted direction in any small way, people need to feel and know that they don't just get to do anything or fail to do anything with you. There will be consequences for doing so or for failing to do so. Overcoming this pattern is about realizing that happiness is not ever in spite of something, it is always because of something. The more we gravitate towards what feels good and right to us, while setting very firm boundaries regarding what doesn't, the happier our life will become. And you can enforce your boundaries and limits, as well as create consequences for people who refuse to honor those without sacrificing your happiness. This is not to say that you can be happy no matter what is happening to you. This is ridiculous! It is to say that you can go in the direction of your happiness and resource positive things and positive moments in whatever small way without that being a self-betrayal. It is not worth being in pain to prevent the people who harmed you the satisfaction of being able to do whatever they wanted to do with you without getting, at the very least, a negative reflection. And it is not even particularly effective. When what you could do instead is to make it so that there are actually consequences for what people do or fail to do with you. Not just the consequence of your upsetness and anger. After all, You don't deserve to suffer forever on top of all the suffering that was already done to you. The time has come to stop betraying yourself in one way, simply to prevent betraying yourself in another way. Disconnect the concept of happiness from the feeling of betraying yourself so that you can enforce the boundaries that will allow you to have a life that you don't hate. A life that you will actually enjoy. Have a good week.